Long hours, small teams, uninspiring content. Marketing for a startup is hard work, but it doesn't have to be. HubSpot for startups can help you grow your business without growing your stress. Their all-in-one platform connects your sales, marketing, and support all together so you can increase leads, fast-track deals, smooth out support, and join a platform that more than 190,000 top brands trust. Plus, they have a constantly evolving collection of resources to help startups scale. HubSpot also offers discounts for startups on their top-rated customer platform, and not the kind of discounts that barely make a dent. I'm talking about meaningful savings of up to 90%. So if you're ready to crush your marketing, look no further than HubSpot for startups. To see how much you can save, visit HubSpot.com startups. Everybody wants a memorable name, but what makes something memorable? What makes it memorable is if it's a name that's based in something that we already have in our existing knowledge base. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to another episode of Creator Science. This episode today is long overdue. If you're a longtime listener of the show, you've probably heard me talk about my belief in the power of a strong brand name. Actually, if you're really a longtime listener, you'll remember that this show was actually called Creative Elements for the first three years of its existence. But in the last 14 months, I've rebranded both my newsletter and my podcast to be named Creator Science. I've even gone as far as trademarking the name Creator Science, and that's because I believe great brand names can be a force multiplier. I believe that because I've seen it. Since renaming the business to Creator Science, I have seen a night and day difference in the way that people treat me, the way they perceive my work. It's been a huge difference maker. Now, what you may not know is how I rebranded the company. First of all, I love naming things, and I actually created blog posts for the process of rebranding both my newsletter and the podcast. I will link both of those in the show notes. But part of that process was taking a critical look at my ideas for names and asking myself which ones were actually good. And for that process, I used something called the Smile and Scratch Test from a company called Eat My Words. You can visit their website at eatmywords.com. Smile and Scratch are both acronyms that provide a checklist for evaluating brand names. I named it the Smile and Scratch Test because it's based on my very strong belief that a name should make you smile instead of scratch your head. If it makes you scratch your head, scratch it off the list. That voice is Alexandra Watkins, my guest today. She founded Eat My Words in 2005. She is a brand name expert, and don't worry, we will spend the majority of this episode talking through this framework. Alexandra is also the author of the best-selling creativity book, Hello, My Name is Awesome. Her branding firm, Eat My Words, has made a name for itself by cooking up unforgettable names and working with clients from Amazon to Coca-Cola, Disney, Google, and Twitter. Before starting Eat My Words, as a freelancer, Alexandra actually named Wendy's Baconator. I freelance for a lot of naming firms, including, you know, Landor, Interbrand, and I took a little bit of every naming brief when I created the naming brief for my firm, Eat My Words. So in this episode, we'll cover the smile and scratch test to help you identify good names and disqualify bad ones. We talk about how important domain names are, including whether .com is important, how to get a good .com, even if your first choice is taken, and whether premium domains are worth it or not. 
And finally, we talk a little bit about if and when you should consider a rebrand if you're not satisfied with your current name. I'd love to hear what you think about this episode. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at jklaus. Just tag me, let me know that you're listening. But now let's talk with Alexandra. Alexandra, so excited to have you on the show. I am a user of the Smile and Scratch framework that you share on your website. I've referred the the naming test to so many people. And so I think the most important question to start this interview with is, do you think Creator Science is a good name? Oh my gosh, I love the name Creator Science. When I was introduced (laughs) to you, I was so excited of the thought of being on your podcast before I even knew what it was about, just because I love the name. And that means you're golden, right? When somebody loves your brand before they know anything about it, that's the best. Take me into your, your mind a little bit. When you hear a name, what gets you excited about it? Like what, what about this name, if you want to use it as an example, but like what lit you up to say that's a great name? Well, you combine two words that I've never seen together, first of all. Creator is such a cool name, right? Because it has create in it. And then science is just, it's kind of like you took two things that don't belong together and you put them together. Plus it just, it just doesn't sound like every other podcast. It's just so different. Yeah. Okay. Well, I'm so glad you said that because like I said, I used the framework and initially we'll we'll talk about rebrands a little bit here because initially I had a newsletter that was called Creative Companion. I came to not love that name and I had a podcast. This podcast was called Creative Elements, which I liked okay, but now I had two very similar sounding names for similar products, but it created a lot of confusion for even my audience because they would say things like Creator Companion or... I don't know, like they were too similar. And so first I rebranded the newsletter to Creator Science, and then I still felt like the podcast shouldn't be separate either. We're going to call it all Creator Science. And it was met with some mixed reviews when I asked people for their opinion up front. It's hard to get opinions on names. Oh my gosh, How would Jay, you- but you violated, you violated. You shouldn't, don't ask people what they think because when you ask people for their opinion on a name, whether you ask them face-to-face or you do a survey monkey or you post it on social, people don't hear what do you think of this name. What they hear is what don't you like about this name, right? And when you ask someone for their opinion, it's an invitation to criticize, so look, you and your gut, you knew it was the right name, right? You And you could it's run true. it through the smile and scratch test. And like, you knew, like, that's an awesome name. And like, yeah, just keep it for the whole brand. Put everything under the creator science umbrella, right? You ran it through the smile and scratch test. Check, check, check. All passed. So yeah, but but... People, people suddenly, you know, consider themselves to be experts on names when they're really not. And, and you, yeah, that's just been so detrimental to so many people by asking opinions. <sighs> okay. So where's, where's the line here though? Like, are we, are we to believe that we n- can find and know the right name without outside thoughts or feedback on it? Well, look, You can run your name through the smile and scratch test. And I know we're going to go through that. And just for anybody who's who uh, it's free on on our website, eatmywords.com, you'll see test a name. And that's going to run you through 12 questions asking, you know, about your name and the different attributes of it. And it will help determine the strength of it. But um, look, you can get a professional like myself to weigh in. But, you know, chat GPT obviously isn't going to have an opinion 
But um, you can also trust your gut. But, you know, I would say going running it through the smile and scratch test is pretty safe to do, but you have to answer the questions honestly. And I see all the names that come through the test because I get an email every time someone takes it. And sometimes people aren't very honest with, is it, you know, is it easy to spell? Yes. And it's, you know, where it's like missing vowels or, you know, letters all together. Like you have to be honest with yourself when you take the test. Okay. We'll run through that here in a moment. Uh, But you're right. I totally had a gut feeling like this is right. And I was looking for validation more than I was feedback, to be honest. I was like, I want, I want to hear if people will validate me. And I want to hear if there's any major red flags of like connotations of the name that I don't understand, or does this mean something else to a different community of people? But you're right. I totally had a gut feeling when I, when I came up with it, that just clicked. I was like, this is it. I've got it. So I don't know if that's helpful to people listening. (laughs) You should just like wait for the gut feeling of click, but I did feel it. Okay. One, one last question before we get into the smile and scratch framework. I want to help people calibrate how high stakes a naming decision is. Like if if I have a bad name, how detrimental is that to me long term? If I have a good name, how positive is that for me long term? Is this something that's going to make or break me? Well, let's look at a recent example. When when Elon Musk uh, rebranded Twitter to X, right? I think that's tremendously detrimental to the name. Right. Twitter was such a strong brand. It had all of this, you know, associated words around it, you know, tweets and, you know, and even things like tweet deck. Right. I think, you know, X, it doesn't have any legs to it. And we'll talk about legs in a minute. But, yeah, I think a name can make or break you. I mean, obviously, Twitter was, you know, going down in a blaze Blaze of glory. Isn't that their new tagline? Blaze your glory or something. I think they're going down in a, yeah, they just announced that. Um, I think Twitter's going down in a blaze of glory, but yeah, I think that, yeah, a name can make or break you. It's certainly, look, a a business is never going to fail just because the name sucks, but, and, and also if your name is bad, a great product company can overcome a lame name, right? Like look at eBay, for instance. eBay is not a great name. I don't I don't recall why it's named eBay, but but it was so revolutionary and it still is, right? So we use it and like people don't really think about the name. But when you're starting out with a clean slate, why give yourself any disadvantages? Yeah. Okay. So I'm hearing you right. You're saying you can overcome a bad name, but a good name could be an accelerant or something really powerful for your project or your brand. Oh yeah, and a customer magnet. We worked with a we name a lot of law firms and we we you know law firms are traditionally named after the partners and we worked with this woman Layla Benajamali and she knew using her own name would be hard for people to spell, remember, pronounce all of it had the whole trifecta going of like things that you know reasons not to name a firm after yourself. So we re- she worked with uh, startups in San Francisco, and we rebranded her Bedrock. And, and her tagline is, um, where it all begins, which I love. So, you know, it, after we changed her name, she said that she started attracting the type of clients that she wanted to work with. So that's what a name can do for you, too, right? It can be a magnet for the type of customers you want to work with. 
A few times already, you've you've mentioned the taglines of companies and brands that you've worked with. And that's something I haven't thought about too, too much. But do you think of the tagline as an important part of the brand? Yeah, absolutely. A tagline can help elevate your brand. I mean, one that I love is we named a, a gourmet popcorn store Pop Psychology. And they're t- so the whole theme was, you know, s- psychology in a fun way. So like, you know, the sweet and salty mix was called bipolar and the one that had different flavors in it was in the tin with different flavors was called multiple personality disorder, but their tagline was crazy for popcorn. And that became the domain name as well. So yeah, taglines are taglines just, they can really help. I've heard you talk about this before. This is a really interesting insight, which is if you have a great name, but you can't get the digital properties a good unique tagline can also become the domain that you pull out. Do you have a couple of other examples offhand? Yeah, I have some taglines. Yes, I have some great examples of domain names. So one is for a company that look, some people are just unwilling to change their name. And if you have a name that's kind of pedestrian or, you know, old family name, having a creative domain name or tagline can really help. So this is a company that sells smoked turkeys and they're called Greenberg Smoked Turkeys, you know, family name, obviously, but their domain name is unforgettable and it's gobblegobble.com. Oh, that's good. That's good. Another one is a peanut butter company and their name is Peanut Butter and Co. And I came across them at the fancy food show where there was over a dozen peanut butter purveyors I am nuts, pardon the pun. (laughs) Sorry, (laughs) sorry, I'm laughing at my own joke. That's the first time I've ever said that one, but I'm nuts for peanut butter. Um, But their domain name, I saw it emblazoned on a banner above their booth and it's ilovepeanutbutter.com, which is brilliant, right? Because I saw that day, I saw so many different peanut butter companies and, you know, the next day I'm like, you know, trying to recover from my food coma And I'm like, what was that one? Oh, I love peanutbutter.com. And what's interesting, if you go to peanutbutterandco.com and they own that domain, it redirects to ilovepeanutbutter.com. All of the employee email addresses are at ilovepeanutbutter.com. It's just a great conversation starter. I love that. Another one that I saw one time was for a luxury uh, condo building in San Francisco called Lumina, and they couldn't get Lumina.com. So they got this super evocative domain name, which was lifeatlumina.com. And I just thought, wow, that really like, it sounds so, it sounds so luxurious and like a place I want to live. So yeah, there's definitely ways that you can have a domain name that that actually enhances your brand. I like that because I could probably search for Lumina.com. I go to instant domain search for ideas all the time. And if it's taken, you're like, ah, shoot, I'll go on to the next one. But you're saying instead of doing the route that a lot of people and companies do now, which is to throw some like suffix on Lumina and call it like Lumina IO, you know, that's a TLD, but instead of saying Lumina Lee or Lumina Afi, you're saying add a word, add some like descriptor almost in front of or after the text, life at Lumina. Exactly, exactly. And I wish more people would do that. But yeah, the, and you know, with the TLDs, the top level domains, um, like .io 
you know, that one is gaining some popularity. Um, by the way, okay, quiz, quiz for you and all your listeners. What does .io, what country, what country does that represent or what area does that represent? Oh, it is a country TLD? Yeah. Well, it's it's oh, not no, really a know. country, but it's an area. It's an it's a geograph geographical area. Indonesia. Nope. Indian Ocean Territories. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay. Do you know .ly? Mm, no, I don't. It's Libya. Ah, I did think I knew that at one point. I was like, I did look this up. So this is something that people probably don't know. No, they don't know. TLDs, top-level domains, these were originally four different countries. Correct. Look, up into Libya, I didn't even know that that was Libya's domain when I was there, which was, you know, over 10 years ago. But Libya, for instance, is a very unstable country. So you don't... (laughs) You don't want a domain name from a country from a country that's unstable, so or a, a domain extension. So, yeah, find find something different. And please, like the like uh, the worst, like the ly trend, like you know, ending your name in ly is so problematic. But the worst, which by the way, isn't even a dot ly domain, but it's Grammarly. How is Grammarly? Grammarly ha- is a grammar checking website with a grammatically incorrect name. Like that just kills me. <laughs> kills. But I want to I want to give everybody a little something some food for thought as we say at Eat My Words, my naming firm. I was at TechCrunch one year and I saw this sign for a company and it was card.io. Is it pronounced card? Is it pronounced card.io or is it cardio, right? I think about this all the time. This is this is what I warn people when they're when they're looking at domain names for their brand or whatever. Sometimes having these uncommon domain extensions, also known as TLDs, it makes the name actually longer because you have to pause and audibly say dot and then the extension for people to know what you're saying. And that's such a hard thing to fight against. When I when I had the newsletter that was originally Creative Companion, couldn't get that .com. I got a .club. So now I'm saying creativecompanion.club anytime I'm trying to direct people to my website. And it was terrible. It was terrible. It was a mess. Yeah, and then there's still going to be those people like .club.com. Like they they don't, mm. right? Totally. Totally, totally. After a quick break, Alexandra and I talk through the smile in the smile and scratch test. So if you want to grade your own brand name, don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. D2C Pod hosted by Ramon Berrios and Blaine Bolas is brought to you by the HubSpot Podcast Network, the audio destination for business professionals. D2C Pod is a podcast about all things direct to consumer. Ramon and Blaine cover everything for starting, growing, and optimizing e-commerce stores and D2C brands. They talk with founders, marketers, and creators and cover topics like brand building, social media, influencer marketing, website conversion, paid media, consumer trends, email marketing, and more. So if you're interested in the stories behind your favorite consumer brands, listen to DTC Pod wherever you get your podcasts. If you know me, you know how much I believe in memberships. My membership is the core of my business and earning an income directly from your audience is one of the most sustainable ways for you to become a professional creator too. So I want to tell you about today's sponsor, Uscreen. Uscreen is a beautiful all-in-one platform that helps content creators earn a living from their videos by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. You can host private live streams for your members, build an on-demand catalog of premium content, and Uscreen gives you a community hub to interact with your members too. 
They can access your community from their mobile phone, so your membership is right there in their pocket. With a Uscreen account, you get video hosting, an out-of-the-box website, full payment and subscription management, and plenty of third-party integrations too. And Uscreen makes it easy to get set up. You get access to powerful website themes that are fully brandable with no coding skills required. Uscreen will even provide a dedicated success manager for you. Just about anyone that wants to make money from their content can do it with Uscreen. It's perfect for coaches, authors, influencers, and entrepreneurs in just about any niche. Right now, Uscreen is used by creators in fitness, education, news, kids entertainment, and more. That includes Yoga with Adrian and Creator Now, just to name a couple. Uscreen is the platform for building a video membership site that is great for generating a sustainable income for professional creators. If you create video content for your audience, I highly recommend checking it out. If you're interested in learning more about Uscreen, visit uscreen.link slash j. That's U-S-C-R-E-E-N dot link slash j and let them know that I sent you. And now back to the show. This has been amazing already, but I really want to run through this framework, the Smile and Scratch framework for people who aren't familiar with this. Again, Alexander said it's on eatmywords.com. Go to test a name. I share this with a lot of people. It's very generous of you to put it in text on the page, even not even behind the email gate for people to see and think about. These are two halves of a test. Smile is five qualities of a super sticky name. Scratch is seven deal breakers. Let's start with the five qualities of a super sticky name, Smile. Can we run through each of those letters and what they mean? Sure. So Smile The S in smile stands for suggestive, and that doesn't mean naughty. It means that you want your name to suggest something positive about your brand. So, you know, creator science, that's something positive, right? Amazon is suggestive of, it's a metaphorical name. It's suggestive of something very large. Metaphorical names are very suggestive. The M in smile stands for memorable, Everybody wants a memorable name, but what makes something memorable? What makes it memorable is if it's a name that's based in something that we already have in our existing knowledge base. So for instance, the brand of bicycle locks, kryptonite. We all know kryptonite from Superman, right? Kryptonite repels Superman. So kryptonite locks, the metaphor being, you know, oh, it repels bike thieves. So that's that's a metaphorical name that's super memorable. The I in smile stands for imagery. People remember, people can recall images and pictures much more easily than they can recall random words and letters. So if they can, let's go back to kryptonite, right? We can all picture kryptonite in our head, right? So that has imagery with it. So if your name can evoke an image when people hear it, they can, they're filing it in their brain's filing cabinet. And then, you know, later on, even a year later, however longer later, if you're trying to recall that name from your brain's dusty filing cabinet, you can you can pull it out of there. The L in smile stands for legs, and that's where your name lends itself to a theme. Um, the name of my firm, Eat My Words, has the theme of food and beverage. So uh, for instance, our blog is called The Kitchen Sink. We have a menu of services. Some of our packages are, you know, supermarket special. I'm introducing something called snack. So that's that's the idea with legs. So you have a name that you can really extend the mileage of. And then finally, the Ian smile stands for emotional. 
And your name needs to make an emotional connection with people and resonate with them or it's going to go right over their head. Is the goal to achieve all five of these in the name? Do I need to hit three out of five, four out of five? What makes it feel like I should move forward into trying to disqualify it past the smile? Try to do all five. Legs is the hardest one to do, but it, if you can get it, if you can get it, you're golden. So I'll give you an example. We named this woman's, she's a publicist. Her name is Lynette Hoy. She was using her own name for her business, but you know, Lynette Hoy doesn't say anything about her being a fiery publicist. So we rebranded her Fire Talker PR with the tagline, hot on the press. She calls herself the fire chief. She works in the firehouse. She has packages like Controlled Burn and Firestarter. And she has a theme song, Fire, by the Ohio Players that she cranks up every time she does a speaking engagement to get the audience on their feet. Naturally, not forcing people. You know, we've all been to, you know, conferences where the speaker's like, okay, everyone, stand up. And, you know, like, we hate that. But, like, you crank up a song like Fire... Or my theme song, Sugar Sugar by the Archies, you know, people are naturally going to <laughs> gonna naturally have energy from that. So yeah, that's the beauty of having a name with legs. And legs can extend far beyond the the, the verbal branding of your name. It can go into the identity. So for instance, at Eat My Words, our icon is a pink refrigerator. I have it in my office. Over over there. So the pink fridge is where we store our cool books. It is the, uh, I have a little pink, uh, pink fridge business cards that open up. We have pink fridge mint tins. We, when we send uh, goodie boxes to people, they have pens that look like Twizzlers. So we've really extended the whole food and beverage theme. And that's what you, another thing you can do with the name with legs. You can just really extend the theme that way as well. When it comes to legs, I had a another understanding of it that may also be true or I may be wrong. So you tell me if I misunderstood this. But something I see people do commonly is they'll have an identifier that might be like local to where they live. It might be a cadence or a time of day. For example, if somebody says that they have a brand, let's let's take um let's take Ryan Holiday's Daily Dad brand. By putting the word daily on it. Sometimes I feel like people do this with a newsletter, something that they publish on a daily or weekly basis. That feels like it kind of locks you in to a cadence over time. And so that's where I thought legs might come in of saying like, well, we don't want to lock ourselves into weekly whatever or the the Tuesday dispatch because now I have to do this on Tuesdays forever or Columbus dispatch. Obviously, that's going to be in Columbus only. Am I thinking about that right? Yeah, I think that's more of the R in Scratch for restrictive where it locks you in. Ah, I see. I see. Okay. Well, before we go on to the Scratch side of things, something that I'm taking from the whole smile framework here, when I share a name or hear a name that hits these five qualities, you like see people react to it. It's not like a flat, like... Okay. Like I imagine a networking event where you hand someone your card or someone says, what do you do? And you say, I'm the creator of this thing, or I'm the founder of this. If you cross these items off the list, people go, oh, because they, they're, they're making an assumption about what that brand suggests. 
They're having this emotional reaction, like you're saying. There's a feeling of, I understand just from the name, or think I understand just from the name, what it is you do, and I want to talk more about it. Whereas a lot of things are just kind of like, eh. Exactly. That's so true. And I do enough podcasts and talk to enough people to see that reaction. And you know it when you have it. I mean, I know because my own business name, Eat My Words, it makes people smile. But uh, we named a GPS for dogs, Retriever. And when I say Retriever, like I know you're a dog dad, (laughs) people smile. Or uh, we just... uh, I just worked out, I help people uh, with monikers, which is, I think monikers are different than names. Monikers are, they help people that already have a business name, but uh, it helps position them. So maybe like this, this woman in particular is a realtor. She already has a realty company that she works for, but she wanted to position herself as a realtor. So um, she's a former flight attendant. She was with United for 24 years, and she really identifies with it. That that was a huge part of her life. She still travels. She loves to talk about travel. It's a great conversation starter, travel. Everyone always has a place at the bin or a place they're going. So I leaned into that with her, and she's a bubbly blonde, and her moniker is the flighty realtor, and she owns Mm. it. And like, you know, at a conference when she's wearing a badge that says the flighty realtor, like people are going to smile like, oh my gosh, what is that? And like her, her logo is going to be a little, uh, a house with wings. So, you know, people get it, but yeah, when you have a name that like people have that reaction to, that's making that emotional connection. That's making them smile. And a name doesn't need to make you smile in that it. It makes you laugh, but it need people need to get it, right? Everybody wants to mm-hmm. feel clued in, not clueless, and that's what a name can do for you. And that reaction is so like so much more likely to lodge into somebody's brain as memorable mm-hmm. because again, that's part of the framework. And being memorable makes you inherently more referable. It's more likely you're going to come to mind when somebody's looking for someone to help with X or Y, or people are trying to solve a problem. Oh, let me tell you about my friend Jay. He has this thing called creator science. Yeah, That is really some of the magic I feel is this allows me to be referable. Yes. And it's really interesting you brought that up because I was just, I was on a, a, I do a lot of lawyer podcasts and I was on one, I'm not a lawyer, but I, and I don't play one on TV, (laughs) 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 but law firms are traditionally named after partners like we just talked about, but you know, they all have areas of expertise and If you are known for your area of expertise rather than your name, you're you're more easy to refer. So there's a guy that we worked with in in Squim up in Washington State, and he specializes in environmental law. And we named his law firm Terrain. And, you know, if there's like just a list of, you know, lawyers and, you know, just all last names or multiple last names, and then you see one that's just a, a name of, you know, a brand name, Terrain Legal. That's going to stand out. Eat My Words, we do, we name a lot of food and beverage. So Eat My Words really stands out. So if you can brand yourself with something that speaks to your specialty, that's going to make you more referable. Yeah. A word that comes to mind a lot for me in the space where I play with creators, you know, we're we're competing for attention. That's literally like the game that we are playing. and. I think people enter into this world and by world, I mean like their social media feed 
And they're quickly trying to disqualify you as someone not to pay attention to. And so your, your name has to make an impact, an impression. It also helps make you seem more legitimate and trustworthy if it, if it crosses these, these five things off, which again, let me recap. Suggestive, memorable, imagery, legs, emotional. Love it. After one more quick break, we walk through the scratch part of the smile and scratch test. So stick around. We'll be right back. You may or may not know that I have a bit of a domain buying obsession. Whether it's a new project idea or domains related to my existing projects, I'm buying them all. I have creatorscience.tv, creatorscience.fm. So let me tell you about my newest purchase. It's jklaus.bio. Connection with your audience is everything. We make all this content and then we want to direct our audience somewhere. Well, a great new option is with a .bio domain. Instead of some long link tree or third-party URL that people can't understand and is hard to say out loud, using your .bio domain for your link in bio lets you manage all your links in one spot with a custom domain that tells people exactly who you are. It's short, it's memorable, it's professional. Your .bio domain name is your way to share yourself with the world. And right now, you can get your own .bio domain name for less than $3 at Porkbun. Yes, it's a real website and a real registrar. Just visit porkbun.com slash creator. That's P-O-R-K-B-U-N dot com slash creator. If you work with clients and you want to grow your top line revenue without growing a big payroll at the same time, then consider attending the Solopreneur Summit, a VIP event hosted by my friend Ken Yarmish. Ken has personally closed over $50 million in his career as a solopreneur, all in professional services. I've learned a lot from Ken, and he's worked with some of the biggest names today. People like Matt Barker, Nasheen Chen, Laura Acosta, and Jake Ward trust Ken to get clearer offers and scale their business with systems. Now, Ken is running a two-day in-person summit on May 9th and 10th to help you build systems across marketing, sales, and client delivery. So now you too can grow without hiring. This will be a workshop setting. It's the anti-loud obnoxious conference with no more than 50 people who will go deep with Ken and other experts that he's brought in to solve actual problems in your business. Ken and his invited experts will show you their proven systems across personal branding, driving inbound leads, social selling, crafting scalable offers, using AI to automate client delivery, and more. Stop guessing and start learning from those who are three to five steps ahead of you. Get actionable tactics and proven systems to accelerate your pipeline, close more deals, and get out of client delivery hell. Head to trs.club summit to learn more and register for the Solopreneur Summit today. At that website, you'll see some of the other experts that are coming in that will allow you to go behind the scenes and look at their actual businesses. Again, that URL is trs.club summit. One last time, that's trs.club slash summit. Let me tell you about one of my favorite podcasts that I've been listening to for years. It's called The $100 MBA Show. And wherever you are on your business journey, The $100 MBA Show has lessons that can help you take the next step forward. The $100 MBA Show is a best of Apple Podcasts winner, literally one of the top Apple podcasts of all time. And it's hosted by my friend and former guest, Omar Zenholm. Omar is a business school dropout turned successful entrepreneur, and he shares real-world lessons on starting, growing, and scaling your business. You may even know his software product, Webinar Ninja. What I love about the $100 MBA show is that these are well-produced, bite-sized episodes on everything from creating a product, connecting with your market, sales, building a team, and more. 
This show is legit. It does over 2 million downloads every month. Whether you're a small-time solopreneur or scaling your startup to investor level, there's valuable real-world advice for you in the $100 MBA's archive of thousands of episodes with new episodes three days a week. If that sounds interesting to you, and it should, just search for $100 MBA show wherever you get your podcasts. And now, please enjoy the rest of my conversation with Alexandra Watkins. Let's get into Scratch, the seven deal breakers. Run us through how this acronym works. Okay, the first one is super, I would say this is like the the most violated, but the biggest one to watch out for, spelling challenge. If your name looks like a typo, scratch it off the list. Let's run through all, uh, okay, all seven okay. of these and then we'll go Okay, I just wanted that to sink in with people. Okay, <laughs> the first C in scratch ends for copycat. Nobody likes a copycat. Why be somebody else when you can be yourself? So Look, if first of all, you need to do your trademark research, make sure that your name, it, that no one else has a name, is using the same name or a very similar name. You would be shocked at how many things get rejected from the trademark office for being too close to something else. If it sounds alike, it's a problem. So uh, you want to trademark screen your name. I'm going to give everybody a great place to go to to get your trademark work done. It's called Indie Law, I-N-D-I-E, Law. Tell them I sent you. I send them lots and lots of clients, as you can imagine, and they will treat you really well. Okay. So yeah, copycat. Don't copy another brand. Be, be original. It is possible. The R in Scratch stands for restrictive. We talked about that, where people outgrow, you know, to, you know, daily dad, uh-oh, dad wants to go on vacation. He does, you know, doesn't, his VA <laughs> quit. He doesn't, have, yeah, he doesn't have the content. So yeah, don't lock yourself into something that you're going to outgrow. I'll give you another ex- example. Um, Hotel Tonight. You know, really great name when it came out. They were they were they were selling discounted hotel space when hotels, you know, had all this these vacancies um, that they couldn't get rid of. Then they would discount them, and so you could get deals on hotels that night. Well, what happened is hotels tonight they went beyond just tonight, so you can reserve a room up to three hundred and sixty five days in advance. So suddenly, hotel tonight outgrew their name. Now, I always thought a better name for that website that had a lot more personality would have been Get a Room, which I think plays into the original meaning of Hotel Tonight. Hey, let's get a room. So the A in Scratch stands for annoying, and no one wants to be frustrated, right? You want your, you want your name in your brand to feel like a welcome mat, not a do not enter sign, but when you annoy people, you're caught, any type of friction your name has is going to frustrate people and, and send potential customers away and frustrate your current customers. So, you know, having a number in your name, for instance, that's annoying for people. And think about annoying yourself, right? Anytime you're going to have to spell out, you know, if your company is called Coast to Coast, and it's spelled coast, numeral two, coast, you're always going to have to spell it out. That's annoying. The T in scratch stands for tame. You can't afford a name that's tame. I mean, it's like you said, Jay, people are looking for any reason they can find to discount you and dismiss you. If you have a tame name, you're just a wallflower. You can't afford to be tame. Not now. You know, there's there's so many brands out there. You need to stand out in a sea of sameness. So don't be tame. Don't be descriptive. 
The second C in Scratch is curse of knowledge. Engineers are terribly guilty of this. It's when they know or you know what something means, but nobody else does. So think of the word foreign when we're talking about curse of knowledge. Is your name foreign to people? Is your name a foreign word? Uh, foreign words, you know, there's a, an education company and it's called Mazinga and it's spelled M-Z-I-N-G-A, which is, you know, loosely based on the Swahili word for hive. I mean, who would know that? That requires way too much of an explanation. So don't make your name based on anything foreign. And then finally, the H, also a really big deal breaker, stands for hard to pronounce. Uh, we talked about card. Is it card.io or cardio, right? So that's a name that even though you think it's easy to pronounce, it the, the, the pronunciation can be butchered, right? What about that beverage that everybody, the water, sparkling water, LaCroix, LaCroix, LaCroix. How do you say that? <laughs> And when Coca-Cola hired us to name their competitive water to that, they said, we don't want a name like that because nobody knows how to pronounce it. So you, you want your name to be easy to pronounce and only to be able to be pronounced one way. Oh, speaking of which, how much better of a name is Starry than Sierra Mist? Oh, is that, did they rename that? Yeah, that's a rebrand. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, Starry's really pretty. Yeah, they took they they said our our Sprite competitor Sierra Mist is not performing because it was a bad name, and now it's Starry, and they put a ton of money behind it, and it's so much better. Oh, I didn't even know that. I didn't even know really Sierra Mist. I mean, it sounds refreshing. No, I mean, okay, I, I, but I think no, it's a Starry's a it's a really pretty name, and I will say this: <laughs> in almost twenty years of doing this, I have never seen the name Starry on any namer list. So that's that's impressive. Oh, fun. Okay. Well, I, I like that we talked a little bit more about uh, tame because I feel like this is something that I see a lot in the creator space is people getting very literal and descriptive yeah. with their name. They're like, this is this for this, you know, maybe this is uh, Linux for beginners, you know, and it's like, ah, I get, I get it. That's nice. But not only is it tame, that's also restrictive. And they're introducing multiple problems with their name by doing something like that. Yeah. You know, here's an example of a name that was pretty tame. Um, it was the business growth advantage. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's not super exciting. And it also sounds like a lot of other names. So what this company does is they help people create teams of virtual assistants to, I mean, it's incredible. They, I have, I've used some of their people. I have some, they get you VAs in the Philippines for $6 an hour, which, and who are amazing. And so the business growth advantage didn't say a lot. So it was all about helping your team crush it. Right. So I worked on coming up with a new name for them. I was really inspired by the name I wanted to call it was Sky Piercer. Because, oh, they they wanted to use, so this is a this is one, this is also from Indie Law. It's it's a sister company of Indie Laws. They have a lightning bolt. Indie Law has a lightning bolt as their logo. They wanted the same lightning bolt for business growth advantage, the new name. So I had Sky Piercer and then Joey Vitale, the very dynamic owner, said, no, Pierce sounds too small. Like, this is much bigger. So I came up with Skybreaker. So it's Skybreaker, mm. helping your team crush it. I mean, that's a very exciting name, right? 
And it's so cool. Like, it's just like, it's powerful and it's fun and it's like different. And like, you know, it's, it's got all of the, you know, it's suggestive, it's meaning, it's memorable. It has imagery, you know, great legs with helping your team crush it, you know, breaking the sky and uh, makes that emotional connection. So that's, that's, those are the type of things that you can do when you go from having a tame name um, I'll give you an education example. This is because I know you work with a lot of a lot of educators listen to your podcast and a lot of people in the learning space. So we were working with a learning platform and their name was Edio, E-D-I-O. Now, look, so many people are like, we want a short name, but it's it's much better to have a name that's longer that people can remember than a name that's short that they can't remember or that doesn't have a lot of personality. So we took Edio and we rebranded it Head Rush, right? Mm-hmm. Head Rush. And that passed my my test of would a kid put it on a skateboard, put a sticker on their skateboard? Would they put an Edio sticker on their skateboard? No. Would they put a Head Rush sticker on their skateboard? Absolutely. So think oh, of your name like that. Develop your own acid test for your name where, you know, what would... When I, I named the Wendy's Baconator and the acid test for the Baconator is would a truck driver order it? I love this because you can you can think about your own audience here. This is one of the problems I see with like people who operate solely behind their name. Fan Fandom is kind of weird. Like, am I going to put your name on my skateboard? <laughs> <laughs> and I think something else to call out here, we're talking about names. And I think the implicit understanding is this applies to brand names, company names, but it also applies to product names within your company, within your brand. These these make the products themselves more shareable and memorable and referable. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we name we name t- tons of products. I mean, I I love naming product names more than company names just because the domain name isn't nearly as important when you're naming a product name because it's usually under the company uh, domain name umbrella. But yeah, no, product names, those are super important. Right now we're naming uh, autonomous surface drones that will be used by the military. We're naming uh, socks that are patent pending. I can't tell you why, but they are. Yeah, so we we name a lot of products and and those are, yeah, we're naming a new consumer home health test kit. Um, Yeah, they're all products. I love product names. With the scratch side of the smile and scratch test, how many deal breakers is too many deal breakers? All, all. Sorry. Uh, let, let me back up. One deal breaker is too many. And trust me, I do this every day. I've been doing it for almost two decades. Every single one of those will come back to haunt you. They will. Okay. So let's, let me recap this real quick. S, spelling challenged. C, copycat. R, restrictive. A, annoying. T, tame. C, curse of knowledge, and H, hard to pronounce. Now, you mentioned it just a second ago that you helped name the Baconator. I knew this about you as well. And I've heard you tell a little bit of the story of that where you said they had a fantastic creative brief for you on this project. So I would love to dig into that a little bit so people can even think about what is the creative brief I can construct for myself and my own brand to help me begin this process? Okay, well, that, when I named the Baconator for Wendy's, it was through their uh, naming firm, Strategic Name Development, where I was a freelancer for them. Uh, So what you want to include, the brief is the roadmap, because so many people, they try to come up with a name without any 
any strategy without anything to really test the name against. So the creative brief is where you put all the ingredients into it. You know, it's kind of like the recipe, all the ingredients, but then you have to experiment and (laughs) make your creation. So some things you want to find out is, or you want to ask yourself, or, you know, what's the tone and personality of your name? Uh, Let's go to strategic name development, that naming firm I work for. That's a very kind of a descriptive name. It's not super creative where eat my words. Oh, that's really fun and playful. That describes our personality. So what brand personality do you want to communicate? Make sure that comes across in your name. Who's your target audience? What are the desired brand experiences that you want people to feel when they come in contact with your name? Do they, do you want to feel like, oh, they, they, they're going to trust you? Do you want people to feel like, wow, they're really creative or, ooh, they're very strategic? So think about things like that. Um, you are going to talk about in your brief, kind of think about some words that you might want in your name some themes that you might want around your name. So we're naming something right now with a sci-fi theme, right? So that's a direction we're exploring. So come up with themes you might want to explore and also any words that you don't want in your name. You know, look at your competitors. What names are they using that you definitely don't want in your name? So those are all things to consider. Let's say I'm listening to this and I'm running through these frameworks as you're laying them out and maybe I don't meet the smile test or maybe I had a couple of deal breakers in the scratch test. At what point should I consider a rebrand if I already have a name out there that I'm doing things, if I'm already operating under something, should I think about rebranding? Yes, it's never too late to change your name. We recently renamed a bank that's more than 100 years old. They were named First National Bank of Syracuse. They were not in Syracuse, New York. They were in Syracuse, Kansas, which is a tiny little town, but they were a well-known regional bank with lots of locations. And the name wasn't working for them. It was it was old. It was dated. It sounded like every other bank. And this was an award-winning regional bank. They were very progressive. They were Mavericks. The naming firm they originally hired wanted to name them Maverick, which I thought was a huge mistake because no one wants a bank to be a Maverick with their money. If you want to be a Maverick with your money, you can invest in the stock market and have like a high risk tolerance, but you don't want your bank, you know, a bank should be safe. So I said, don't. So luckily that ran into some trademark issues and they couldn't use it. And then they talked to me and I said, look, you, you need a name that's a Maverick name, but doesn't say Maverick in the name. So we rebranded them Dream First because they were all about making dreams come true. They finance a lot of agriculture equipment, farms, and, you know, big dreams, family dreams. You know, they work with generations of families. So that name really worked for them. Rebrands are our favorite thing to do, and it's never too late to change your name because you can have your domain name redirect automatically to your new domain. You can send out an email to your current and former customers. You've got social media. There's so many opportunities for you to to mention your name change. Um, But make sure that your name is good because, you know, look what's happened like with, you know, X and Okay, I'll just give the Weight Watchers one. So Weight Watchers a couple years ago rebranded to WW. 
They wanted to get rid of the baggage associated with Weight Watchers, but the problem is none of the um, members wanted to call it WW. And if you think about it, Weight Watchers is three syllables, but WW is four syllables. And then when you get into the domain name, you know, it's a mile long, www.www.www.com, right? It's really a mouthful. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, so now they're going back to using Weight Watchers. Yeah, I will tell people listening to this, you know, I was begrudgingly like coveting a name change and I was just so worn down by what I thought the process of rebranding would be like. I I have a conversation with Arvid Call on the podcast feed called uh, What's Underneath Brand Building for Creators, where we talk about this like six months before the rebrand. And at the end of the day, the rebrand itself technically took maybe a week worth of effort learning how to do the redirects. The The more difficult thing was coordinating with any partners or people who are already using that your name in their materials. But it was really much less scary and difficult than I initially thought. And I'll tell anybody who listens, the rebrand itself has been night and day impactful to how I am received as an individual, how the company is received when I talk about it. I think it's been a huge part of the momentum that I've had over the last 18 months. Oh, that's awesome. And if you work with me, I give you the ultimate rebrand checklist that has every place you could possibly ever need to change your name. It's also part of my online course. So yeah, that's just because, yeah, you can't remember all the places where your name is. But, in you know, when you do change your name, it gives you a, it gives you a a nice uh, excuse to get back in touch with with people, right? It's a very marketable event and you will need more touch points than you think to tell people that this exists because people don't pay attention to things that aren't themselves, but it's doable. <laughs> and I think it's, I think it's worthwhile. A lot of times when you have a name that is two words pulled together, like creator science, those are marked as premium domains that might cost thousand dollars three thousand dollars or something to acquire and i I meet a lot of people who are really excited about a name the dot com is available but it's premium priced do you think that investment is worth it um it depends how long your business is how long are you going to be in business i mean i bought eatmywords.com for twelve hundred dollars you know 18 years ago and it's you know definitely paid off you know in the beginning if you can't afford your domain just add a modifier word i mean a lot of people don't know that Tesla for the first 13 years was teslamotors.com. Facebook was the Facebook. Dropbox was get Dropbox. Basecamp was Basecamp HQ. So all of these companies eventually came around and bought the exact match domain name, but it's not necessary. But just make sure, you know, like a couple thousand dollars, I think is okay. But when you start getting into astronomical pricing, which so many of them are, just use a modifier word. Would you advocate for teslamotors.com over tesla.co? Oh, no, I like tesla.co. I think that's okay. Yeah, it's it's interesting because there are like these judgment calls kind of kind of like this. But uh, I also, you know, paid the premium price for creatorscience.com. And I think about, well, one, I've never thought about that investment again. Uh, certainly don't regret it. I think it's way more likely that I would regret not getting it years from now if it was available to me at some point than regret getting it. So consider that if you're if you're in that position. But I agree with you. You need to have a certain level of conviction and commitment for that investment to make sense. 
Yeah. And let me just remind people of something. So like this morning, before we had this call, I, I wanted to test my internet speed to make sure I had a stable connection. So I went to speedtest.com and that was, and I, I'm like, oops, you know, I meant to go to speedtest.net. So very quickly, I just changed the, the search in my browser, speedtest.net. There I was. Did I not use speedtest.net because I accidentally went to speedtest.com? Of course not. Same with Tesla, right? If someone was in the market for a Tesla and they went, if you went to tesla.com for the first 13 years, you would have, for a while there, you would have been greeted by this very ominous looking website that said, this site is owned by GandhiNet. If you wanted to buy a Tesla and you were looking for a dealer, you know, how do I test drive one? You wanted more information. Were you going to give up? No, you'd just type in your browser, Tesla car, whatever you typed in. And then you would get there and you wouldn't have even noticed what the domain name was. And, you know, I tell people, would you have not bought a Tesla because they didn't own Tesla.com? Would you, you know, not investigate further? Of course not. So think of it that way. Really think of it from the mind of a consumer. If somebody really wants to find you, they'll find you. I genuinely love and recommend these smile and scratch tests and you can try it out for yourself for free at eatmywords.com. A link to that is in the show notes. Thanks to Alexander for being on the show. Thank you to Nathan Tonhunter for mixing this episode and Emily Klaus for creating our artwork. If you like this episode, tweet at jklaus and let me know. And if you really want to say thank you, we are so close to 400 reviews on Apple Podcasts. Please leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. We're close to 200 there. It means a lot. I see every single one of them. Thanks for listening. And I'll talk to you next week.